Hello, welcome, and thank you for listening to First Responder Psychological Support. My name is Sarah Gura, and I am a licensed clinical professional counselor, an EMDR therapist, and a yoga teacher. My practice is the self-care path where I treat first responders, and this is Season 3, Episode 7, Body Before the Mind. But as always, I would love for everyone to come into some kind of alignment. So maybe straighten the spine, maybe roll the neck gently, pull the shoulders down and away from the ears, really root down and ground yourself, maybe spread the toes and just let yourself relax for a moment, taking a nice deep breath in. And when you exhale, just release And as I like to say, relax. That restorative move is definitely one of the things that I like to teach people. If they don't think about it enough, we need to recover as human beings and certainly as first responders. And that rest, relax, recover, restore uh, set of concepts there in a row are there to remind us that we have to create this balance in our life. So we can get rather imbalanced when we are working a job where there's a lot of human illness, human death, human suffering, human stupidity, and property destruction. Or if there's any politics or some bullshit that's going on at work. Um, Or maybe there's things going on in your family of origin or even your family of creation or both. And depending on what the climate is around you. Um, that affects us and it becomes really important to know when to take a step back and take care of yourself. But anyway, as you still come into alignment with the breath and the body and your posture, I wanted to talk about body before the mind. There are many different types of coping skills. Um, When our mind is ready, we can do intellectual coping skills, which is usually psychology education or gathering information, gaining knowledge about something. Because if there's something we just didn't know or we didn't understand, we had some ignorance there, maybe um, just learning the facts or the science or the information can be very helpful and help us cope. Now, another way of coping is through challenging your negative cognitions or your negative thoughts or your thinking errors and we can change those to something that is more reality-based that has perspective that um, allows you to deal with what really is happening as opposed to the thinking error or the negative cognition so again we can do an intellectual coping skill and gain information or we can challenge our thinking errors so that we have a better perspective and something, like I said, that's more reality-based. Now, the third thing that we can do would be emotion management. So as I like to explain, emotions are sort of dormant. They're under the surface and they can get triggered. So right now I'm not angry and I'm not sad, but if something sad happened or if something happened and it made me angry, that emotion would move into a feeling and feelings are felt psychologically and they are felt physiologically so we can cope by learning emotion management and that starts with managing the body symptoms 
And I'm really going to focus on that in just a moment, but I'm going to continue to explain that we have intellectual coping skills. We have reality-based thoughts and positive thinking uh, that creates perspective. We have emotion management, which we're going to highlight today. But I also want to mention that there's physical coping skills. So physical coping skills help us ventilate or they help us sort of purge the tension, stress, and cortisol in our bodies. So working out, getting a hug, going for a walk, um, even having sex, um, doing things that physically change our state, right? So that's a type of state changing is helpful when we need to cope. And so I always like to remind people that, you know, if you're fairly anxious or you have a bit of depression or a lot of depression, exercise truly is helpful because it releases a lot of the endorphins. When we finish exercising, we might feel proud of us and experience the dopamine. When we hydrate appropriately and we have good nutrition, our gut flora is better. Serotonin is primarily made in the gut. And serotonin, of course, is a mood stabilizer. And when it comes to the sex and the hugs that I just mentioned, those release oxytocin, which also make us feel very good. So to summarize once again, we have intellectual coping skills, we have cognitive coping skills, emotional coping skills, and now I'm talking about physical coping skills. Now there are also social coping skills, getting out with friends, having fun, experiencing adventure, um, having some laughter and joy and connection with other people is another way that we can cope. So social is very important as well. There are also spiritual coping skills, things like meditation, aligning the head and the heart, participating in a yoga class, um, understanding your own metaphysical or physical, um, I want to like say metaphysical or spiritual um, or existential thought about existing on earth is also quite helpful and knowing do I want to believe in God and have a religion or do I want to believe in God and focus on the higher power? Do I need to learn some way to connect the idea that being human on earth is truly a spiritual experience and we can't just let that go. But the point being, I hope that we're, what we're realizing is there are many, many ways to cope. But if you're truly in a crisis and you're not feeling well, sometimes we expect people to, well, just get over it or get through it or go around it, <laughs> go under it, do do anything. Just don't be emotional or be sad or depressed and anxious or traumatized. And of course that doesn't work. We need to realize that if we are truly upset and we are in need of coping skills, we're not just going to get over it and telling someone to get over it isn't going to do it. So what I want you to realize is when you are upset, the best thing that you can do or the first best thing that you can do is to handle the body before the mind. Because when we are upset, like I said, emotions will move to the surface and we will feel it psychologically and we will feel it physically. And so your sympathetic nervous system is activated 
and we have the HPA, which is the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands may be participating. The sympathetic nervous system might give us some cortisol, like I said, catecholamines, the stress hormones that create all that tension in the body. We know that there's all kinds of different physiological responses to our stress or to our upset feelings. So the first thing that I always remind people to do if you're having anxiety or panic or depression or anger or one of those challenging emotions where you are definitely um, not going to listen to the words and the body is getting pretty demanding, it wants you to do something, it wants you to react, then I want you to consider aligning the body. Now, this is the same thing if you are on a very stressful call and you've experienced acute stress disorder and you're trying to find your balance. So acute stress disorder can really um, dysregulate our normal functioning, our mental and physical functioning. And so again, it becomes very important to understand, go to the body first. I'm never going to, if I were going to address a crisis situation, I'm never going to try to tap into that person's mind and what they think and what they feel. Um, I have to find out, are they tired? And is their body in that sympathetic nervous system state? Can I get them to state change into a more parasympathetic nervous system state? Um, How do we do that? The first thing is, of course, breathing. But sometimes we don't breathe comfortably if our body is not in some kind of alignment. So when you are upset, getting to the point here, um, you can plant your feet on the ground to spread your toes and push your feet into the grass, you know, or if you have your shoes on, spread your toes inside your shoes and really just press down on all four corners of your feet rooting down and feeling that and then allowing your legs to relax as you align your hips squarely under your shoulders and you allow your spine to straighten down the center of your body like really truly allow it to be your meridian and knit your core so that you feel like you have some kind of posture and that your body is engaged and responding you want to pull your shoulders down and away from your ears. And if you ever notice yourself in a meeting or on a scene or with a family member at home, even if you notice you're, you know, creeping up and your shoulders are crunching towards your ears, pull them down and away from your ears. Go ahead and push your shoulder blades into the back of your chair. And again, readjust the hips and just let yourself sit heavy into your sit bones. And notice that you're sending these signals of, I'm powerful, I'm managing my body, I'm relaxing it by putting it in this aligned posture. And as you work up the body, so I would work from the floor and then go upwards, you want to not forget your neck, right, and your face. And so you take a moment to unclench the jaw and to maybe notice when you're at rest, your tongue will rest at the roof of your mouth behind the back of your teeth. 
maybe just let your tongue drop and then go ahead, swallow, relax the jaw muscles, and then allow your tongue and your jaw to rest wherever you want it to. Maybe flare your nostrils out and then let them relax. Lift your eyebrows and crunch them down and relax the skin around your eyes. If you can move your ears and just sort of feel how that slightly adjusts the skin around your face and the back of your head, you would be surprised how much that can relax you. And of course, just noticing the crown of your head and see if you can imagine it being light. And then if you really want to take another step further, you can place your hands palms down in order to feel a little bit more grounded. You can put them down on a chair, on the bed, or on your thighs, or rest them on your heart or your rib cage. Um, Or if you want more energy and you're feeling like you're drained but you need more energy to participate, you can lift your palms upwards. So, you know, if you're laying down, you just turn your palms up. Um, Or if you're standing, you turn your arms open so that your palms are facing forward. As you do all of this movement and you create this posture while you're sitting in a meeting or in the middle of a argument at home or something like this, notice your breath. How are you breathing? Is your body breathing on its own or are you involved in any way? For the most part, I like to ask people to not interfere with their breath to ask, actually like listen to their breath. Um, people who sigh outwardly, like outwardly, you know, they make that <sighs> noise. And that sigh is, I have all this tension and I need to release it out. And then of course, those who sigh inwardly, they go, <gasps> right? And that sound going in is like the gasp, the, oh, the stress is just into my body. And so noticing what your breath is doing in different situations is a great way to create or cultivate self-awareness. And if you have enough self-awareness, you're going to be able to recognize these subtle hints that your body is tensing up. And that tension, of course, is going to lower your IQ points. So the more in your body you are, the less in your mind you can be. And so maybe a dramatic comparison would be someone in the fetal position who's so tense and crunched up. They're in the fetal position. That's the ultimate, please protect me from this stress posture. Um, Of course, in yoga, we might use the fetal position to sort of symbolize a new beginning. But the curling up into a ball is definitely a defensive posture. The other one would be the victory pose. And the victory pose is feet firmly planted, legs strong, rib cage up, chest is open and wide, the arms are towards the sky, the neck is lifting up, eyes are towards the sky as well. That's a very open posture and it shows, you know, stress-free. In fact, it shows a lot of confidence and happiness. So noticing if your body is being dominant in its victory pose or if it's being submissive or passive or even regressive and sort of closing down into a ball or the fetal position. It says so much. But going back to the breath, 
you know, noticing if you sighed out or if you were breathing in um, and what is your posture doing. Making these subtle corrections in your posture and in your breath can help calm and soothe the body, activate the parasympathetic nervous system so that we have less sympathetic nervous system happening. And in that case, you can now manage your breathing. So uniquely in our chest cavity and in our torso and our body, we have a bunch of organs that for the most part we don't directly control. But the one organ that we can tell what to do is our lungs. So if your heart is racing because you're um, in a sympathetic nervous system state, you can't look down at your heart and say, hey heart, calm it down. Don't beat so fast. (laughs) You know, that's not going to work. But if you tell your lungs, hey, slow deep breath in and pause, release the breath, you realize that, of course, you can control your lungs and your lungs have all these different attachments to the heart. Um, For the paramedics listening to me, we know if we rip the heart out, the lungs go with, we rip the lungs out, the heart goes with, Um, the vice versa, right? Either way, there's so many things interconnected in there. So there is a sensation, especially through your vagal nerve, right? Your vagus nerve that when you decide to manage your own posture and your own breath, it's like sending that signal to your brain, I got this, I got you. And when you choose to breathe slowly or rhythmically or in a way that warms the body or cools the body or releases tension, um, again, you're, you're navigating your own state change. And it's from there that we start to gain those IQ points back. Because again, when we're really activated or we're experiencing experiencing high amounts of stress, we're going to downshift to stupid. And so state changing the body on your own without guidance is going to give yourself a lot of confidence to get to that point where you can intellectually or cognitively and emotionally, even physically, behaviorally, um, socially handle or cope with whatever's going on, which now as I say that, I think that was the one coping strategy I forgot to mention, of course, which is just behavior choice. Duh. So of all the things that I mentioned, um, a behavioral treatment plan is super helpful in helping people cope you know, and when I talk about behavior change, I'm literally talking about change theory, which means you have a choice. You can choose wisely or unwisely in any situation that you're coping with. You can choose more uh, imbalanced states, or you can choose to be in a balanced state of mind and body. You can choose to be productive, or you can be destructive. And so, Behavior is the other coping skill I didn't mention earlier. But any whoozy. My main point for this podcast is not only to notice all the different ways that we can cope, but that for the most part, like we as humans, we're we're not going to cope with anything unless our body is safe and secure. And so if you are in a fight, flight, or freeze, 
or even some kind of mild worry, anxiety, panic. Um, If you have some sort of stress that's happening to you, the first thing I want you to do is address the body. And if you're a parent, that's what I hope you would teach your children too. Like first, let's take some space. Let's get in the right posture. We got to sit down or maybe go and stand strongly or maybe go to the bedroom, you know, so that we can sit in a comfortable space that is our own. And once we're in that safe and secure space and the body feels nice and grounded and we're not crying anymore, whatever version of crying that's happening. So I'm talking about kids and adults right now. Um, we, we come into that posture and then we come into our own breath and we move into the stillness of our own wisdom and our innate ability to heal ourselves. And that is the prerequisite to thinking more clearly, to having, you know, that moment where, hey, I can do the intellectual coping skill because I'm focused, I'm centered, and I'm ready to listen. Or I don't have to think negatively because now that I'm in a safe place and my body is in this secure place, um, I can address my negative cognitions or thinking errors. I can address the feelings that I was having, the, the physiological ones and the psychological ones. I can choose a physical activity once I gather my thoughts and purge that out. I can go be social or be social enough to actually cope, like and use peer support, for example. Um, it's then that sometimes we remember we're not alone. And spiritually speaking or religiously speaking, we can connect to that higher power. And then obviously we can say, hmm, that's over now. I'm safe or that's over and I learned something. And from learning that something, I can now choose different behaviors. And those behaviors will be wiser because I have experience. And that experience was something that I had to cope with. And now I can apply it. So... I hope that makes the point at just how important it is to take time to rest, relax, restore, and recover. That the beginning of coping with anything is knowing that you can respond to your body when it needs you the most. That you can do a state change when you are visiting a terrible experience from the past or experiencing a terrible moment or maybe you're just post that traumatic experience and you're having acute stress disorder this is where you pay attention to your body the most and you get your breath under your power it's not something I want you to be controlling about I just want you to have choice and then you'll see that a lot of your higher functioning dynamics um, meaning the parts of your personality that can be very compassionate or understanding, problem-solving, conflict-resolution-focused, that stuff will come into play so much easier. So that is the point I wanted to make. Get your body straight and then address the mind. And I want to remind everyone that my name is Sarah Gura. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in Burr Ridge at the Self Care Path where I treat first responders. I'll remind you also to do life so it doesn't do you, to stay safe, and of course, as always, to take good care. All right. Bye-bye.